Coming up on this week's episode of the Irreverent Nerds Podcast, we talk to the one, the only, Guillermo Tomas Boyer, i.e. William Thomas Boyer, about his art career. Don't miss it. More coming right after this. I'm Richard. And I'm Will. And together we're... The, the Irreverent, Irreverent Nerds! Nerds, I have some exciting news to share. We are now offering a monthly subscription service for our listeners. For the low price of $2.99 per month, subscribers will gain access to two bonus episodes and an invitation to a Zoom gathering. Additionally, subscribers who sign up for our email list are eligible to be entered into a monthly prize drawing. So what are you waiting for? Click on the link in the episode description today to get started. Nerds. Nerds. Nerdettes and assorted nerd persons. And nerd animals. It's it's finally here, my friends. It is finally here. The day has come. We are interviewing the one, the only, the inimitable, ladies and gentlemen, intersex and assorted other <laughs> humans. <laughs> we have a nerdly man in the house, artist in residence, William Thomas. Boyer, or Boyer. Guillermo Tomas Boyer, as he is sometimes known. How do you say your name in Japanese? Did you ever figure that out? No. No, I have <laughs> not figured that one out. That, well, it probably isn't an equivalent. It's probably just a transliteration, right? So Probably. Like, it'd be like, we are, we are, because there's no L's in, in Japanese, right? Like so, Or there's no L sound, so it'd be a, we are, we are, they'd have a hard time. We're... We're Weirium. We're Weirium. We um that would be wouldn't that be weird like I, I'm like you've got you're trying to translate, you're trying to learn another language and there's a sound that you never learned as a child because it's not in your language and then you go to try to say a word in another language. I'm sure there's other languages that are different enough from English that we'd have the same problem in reverse. Like there's some African languages where they have like a, a clicking sound, like you know, like I, I'm sure I'm not doing it justice. Um, but yeah, obviously we don't have the direct equivalent in English. Oh, are you looking it up? Yeah, I just looked it up. It's a uh, Wiramu, W-I-R-I-A-M-U. Wiramu, Riam, Ramu or Ramu? We 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 Wiriamu. Wiriamu. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly. So we have Wiriamu in the... I'm, I'm butchering this. Are there dojos in Japan? Or yeah. is that... A, is that cr- okay. So we have in the dojo. <laughs> Wiriamu. So yeah, guys, our, our artist interview, our comic book theme episode for this month is featuring our very own... Mr. Boyer. Well, yes. 
How you doing? What brought you here tonight? Um, coffee and food poisoning. <laughs> yes. Uh, speaking of speaking of food poison, no, <laughs> we're trying something new: tempura seaweed. It's actually quite good. Yeah, uh, I found a Asian grocery store down the road. Yeah, I still remember. So we had the. I think we've talked about this once or twice on the podcast. Our our infamous. Red, well, infamous in our circle of like four or five people. <laughs> um, video redneck versus otaku. Dun, 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 dun. And at the end, we're eating was it wasabi peas and squid jerky? I think so. And drinking Mountain Dew. <laughs> <laughs> A yellow liquid of some kind. Yeah. In a Mountain Dew container. Nameless yellow liquid. <laughs> <laughs> we used to drink a lot of Mountain Dew. I've not. I don't remember. I think My the last time, the only time I ever drink it now is if I go to Taco Bell, I'll get a Diet Mountain true. Dew. Because Diet Mountain Dew, for whatever reason, goes well with Taco Bell food. It just does. Regular Mountain Dew, so-so. But for some reason, Diet Mountain Dew, at least for my palate, goes well. I get Baja Blast uh, Zero Sugar. Oh, yeah? For the longest time, it was the only place you could get Baja Blast. That's true. That's true. They they eventually. I don't know if they still do, but they, I know they eventually started selling it, um, at stores and stuff. Yeah. So uh, I think this is actually my second interview on this podcast. Is it? I think you interviewed me on the very first uh, time you had me on. Well, I know I had you did a guest. I think your very first appearance was your guest review of I think of the Batman movie. I want to say. It's either that or the the um the conversation we had about Batman on my deck. We were sitting on my deck. So it was like Oh, you're right. Introducing well, the Camel City Comic Geeks, I think is the title of the episode. I can't remember if your guest review of Batman came before or after that. Probably or, afterward. You probably just were introducing me more so than an actual interview. Yeah, well, I know we've talked about your comics, but we've never done, like, an entire episode dedicated to your art career and uh, your interesting comics, your inspirations and all that. So I was like, it's time. We've been talking about it for a while, and it's like, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. So, I guess we'll follow more or less a chronological order here. What, my friend, is your earliest memory of comics? I would say the newspaper comic strips. I became a big fan of uh, Garfield uh, when I, I was a young child. So Garfield was your favorite strip, and uh, did you, did you also watch the animated series Garfield and Friends? I did. I assumed that it was the animated series Garfield and Friends that led me to read the comic strip itself. Okay. Okay. I'm trying to remember which one I discovered first, but. We're not here to talk about me, so it's irrelevant. <laughs> so that was one of your, your earliest memories of comics. How about like a an actual comic book issue? Like, do you do you have a memory of yeah, I do. what your first purchase or gift was? Well, it was probably Sonic the Hedgehog um, issue 16 or 18. I forget which one. Um I mean, I think it was. I have an early memory of that. But I also have early memories of uh, the real Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2. 
I forget if that was Marvel or Now Comics, but uh. So guys, you are gonna hear now. some background noise because my my youngest is is here with us. She wants to interview Uncle Will as well, or I should say, she wants to interview Uncle Will. He's not my uncle, but he is called Uncle by my children. <laughs> All do right. your kids call me uncle, or do they just say, hey, who's that weird guy? I don't know if they, you know, now that I think <laughs> about it, I don't know that any of them actually used the descriptor uncle yet, but they do know that you're Will, so they know your name. Oh, okay. Um, hold on just a second here. So, keep talking about your early years as I get so, situated um, here. I also read some uh, Ninja Turtles by Archie Comics. uh and so it's, it's a toss-up of which one of those might have been my earliest comic. But I know that my first foray into superheroes was uh, later when I got some really old comic <coughs> excuse me, some really old superhero comics, D- Superman and Batman from, I think, the 70s. Uh, so my first introduction to superheroes was a little bit later. Uh, and I got some classics. So issues that were released in the seventies, or like, did you? At one point, did you go like further back into like the the, the golden age? I don't know what the golden age in Batman comics would be considered, but I know it started in nineteen thirty nine, right? Uh, yeah, I think Batman was nineteen forty, but Superman was thirty nine, wasn't he? Hmm. Pretty sure Batman was also thirty nine. Okay. It was right around that same period. Different creators, obviously. So you had Bob Kane and Bill Finger involved in Batman, and then uh, the uh, oh darn it, what's the names of the the Superman creators? I cannot think of them. Think of it right now. Uh, Jerry and Joel or Joe Siegel Scheister. I can't remember. <laughs> I know they were Jewish. I know that much. Like, Jewish heritage. I remember that. Jer- I mean, Jerry's a pretty good guess, I think, if you grew up in the Bronx and you had... <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, anyway, Jerry Siegel sounds very familiar. I think you might be on the nose with that. But anyway, so some of your earliest issues were Batman, like, 70s, like some back issue yeah, Batman comics. Some really old uh, comics that my mom... My mom was an antique dealer, and she found these comics and gave them to me. Uh, some of them might have had missing covers, but they were really old. They had these really trippy adventures in them with, like, red kryptonite. And there was this one story where... Uh, you got to watch out for the red kryptonite. Yeah. There was this one story where... Uh, Batman and Superman were ghosts watching their future s- children. Uh, Batman, Superman Jr. The ghost of superheroes. P- future? I don't know. Sort of. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> present. Future. <laughs> was a was Luther a Scrooge stand in in this story? <laughs> no, Luther. <laughs> I don't think Luther appeared. <laughs> yeah, I think of that for some reason because I'm I'm currently reading. Like comic book wise, which we haven't done this for a while. We used to do this a lot. Like, what are you reading? Yeah, um, I'm currently reading Hellboy in Hell, um, the graphic graphic novel. And at one point, for for reasons that I'm not entirely sure of, still, 
there's a brief like while he's in hell for some reason someone does is doing a puppet show of a Christmas Carol, <laughs> and it's the scene where Scrooge meets Jacob Marley. <laughs> like, okay, okay, Mike McNola, okay. Anyway, yeah, that sounds interesting. I'm gonna have to read that someday. Yeah, yeah. So props to our our library system here in Forsyth County, in um, particular the Central Library has an excellent selection of graphic novels, uh, both adult and young adult. And uh, yeah, I've rated that thing quite a few times. Huh. Try to keep them away from my kids because usually th- they're definitely not made for kids. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There Probably are graphic novels out Hellboy. there. Yeah, no, Hellboy's not. That's the, yeah. So, uh, and I was lately reading uh, Sonic the Hedgehog by IDW thanks to a shout out to Josh Ruggle who gifted me the book. Oh, uh, yeah. So, was that the most recent uh, trade paperback for that? Yeah, that that was the most recent. It was a hardcover of the uh the it, it was the first hardcover collection from IDW uh that ends with uh, Sonic in the game taking down Neo Metal Sonic. For those of you familiar with the stories, I haven't been, have not been keeping up with IDW Sonic, so that was really enjoyable. Nice. So what at what point would you say you really started to love reading comics? Well, it was definitely during the uh, when I was reading Garfield in the newspaper. Uh, I would get the newspaper every day, and I was collecting them for a while there, cutting out Garfield strips and things. But I'd also read all the other comic strips in the paper. Um, yeah, like Hagar and oh yeah, Zitz was Zitz out back then. Uh, eventually, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, I'm trying to think what else. N- maybe this not been not when I was a kid, but it it came later. So Hagar the Horrible was probably in there, and like, uh, uh it was, and I don't peanuts, know. Peanuts, obviously. Hagar the Horrible disappeared from our paper at some point. And I'm not sure why. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I, I remember also. Like finding, like back when we got news, I don't know if we constantly had newspaper subscriptions, but yeah, I remember the similar. I would I would go and and look for the the Garfield first, because I also liked Garfield, and, and then I would read the others that were of interest, uh, including Doonesbury. Like Doonesbury, I kind of had a like a you know that fascination you have with more adult things. You're like, what's oh it, what's yeah, it like? what's it like to be an adult? They like smoke cigarettes and stuff in the comic strip. It's <laughs> <I was laughs> like, it's like, what's this doing in here with the other stuff? But anyway, so that's when you you first began to to fall in love with with reading. Oh comics. yeah, was it was it not long after or like during this period when you also started? Well, let let's rewind a bit. Like before we talk about you drawing comics and experimenting with that. Was there other forms of art that you dabbled in before you started drawing your own comics? Yes. Um, I used to draw stick figure adventures of my brother and I uh, as children's illustrated children's books. So there'd be words on one page and then an image on the other so- the other page. And I would staple them together. Nice. Uh, would you read them to your brother? Yeah. we would. We Yeah, it was all about our adventures and stuff, our fictional adventures. Nice. Some real ones too, maybe like the time you got chased by dad's cow, or <laughs> <laughs> probably. 
Did I tell you about that, or did you just assume that happened at some point? I, just, I knew you guys had cows, so I just assumed at some point you got chased by a cow. <laughs> yeah, I've been chased by cows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for the... Actually, I don't think we've ever talked about this. Like, the your, your old homestead, you guys have kind of up on a hill a bit. Yeah. And you've... Like, the house is up at the top of the hill, and then you go down the hill a bit. There's a pond kind of at the base of the hill, and then a fence all the way around the base of the hill, pretty much, and then past some pasture land. In a, did you guys have a horse at one point? I'm trying to remember. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. My, um, I've got phlegm in my throat tonight for some reason. Excuse me. So, yes, uh, our earliest horse was named Waco. We didn't actually keep him. <laughs> Waco. Uh, yeah, Waco. Interesting. Okay. We didn't actually keep him on our property. He was actually boarded elsewhere at, uh, at a uh, horse boarding uh, farm. Uh, where he got to run around with other horses and whatnot. Did you have a second horse named David Shiresh? No. <laughs> <laughs> what about Burns Davidian? Yes, no yeah. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, wake. Okay, yeah, interesting. interesting. I get, I get what you're saying now because I didn't know why you were laughing earlier. Well, yeah, I don't think I've ever. It's probably I, named after Waco, Texas. Yeah, which is where all that went down. Oh. Like, Right. That's the only thing I know of Waco. Like, I probably never would have heard about Waco except for that, you know, the the debacle that occurred at the Branch Davidian campus. But that's a that's another topic for another time. Like, we we could right. we could we could have a subscriber only episode about weird cults and and ghost stories or something. <laughs> we could do all sorts of things. Oh yeah, yeah. And I'm sure, like, obviously, there's there's plenty of like sci-fi fantasy movies that have been made about them comic books too i'm sure like um so i'm sure we we could find a way to to lead into our content <laughs> but anyway it's beside the point um oh man that made me think of the animal sacrifices that used to happen near where you lived yeah i told you about that i know this is completely ir- irrelevant as far as your art career is concerned unless you drew a story about it at one point did that ever appear in your uh, the adventures of of uh milo no, you and your brother. No, no, the animal sacrifices definitely <laughs> didn't appear <laughs> in the stick figure comics, <laughs> the stick figure children's books. Oh man, yeah, wasn't it? I n- I never did hear it. Like all the years I hung out at your house, I, I don't remember ever being there because it was like Halloween night, right? Yeah, it would be at, sometimes late at night. I'd hear drums and chanting off into the woods <laughs> by the farmland. <laughs> yeah, no thanks. Um, my brother and um. Two friends of ours actually went exploring in the woods and found the site of the animal sacrifices, uh, like dry blood on trees and a stump, uh, ca- cages. Nice. We're setting for a good X Files episode. <laughs> Which, by the way, guys, that is coming at some point. We are going to talk about X Files, and my wife is planning to join us. That that is coming. It's coming. Might be subscriber only. I don't know yet, but it is coming. Trust me. The podcast is out there. <laughs> yeah, I want to believe it will happen. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, someday. Uh, so, getting back to your story. So, so you did the adventures of Robert and Will, or Willie and Robert, or Willie yes. and Bobby. Was it Will and Bobby? Billy and Bobby. Billy Bobby. No, Billy I think it was just Billy Will and, and Robert. Bobby. Will and Robert, yeah. Or Will and Rob. Will and Rob. 
So, so you guys had ventures. That was some of your earliest dabblings in art. I mean, obviously, I'm sure you did the things as you know, a, a toddler. You know, like finger painting and whatnot and that kind of stuff. I'm sure, right? Like, I mean, oh yeah, yeah. yeah everybody what does everybody that, does that. Yeah, yeah. But when you started being more purposeful about it and started putting it in like story form and and uh, that's cool. So yeah. So fast forwarding a little bit to your first forays into comics, like I think you've mentioned this before, was it? Joker here. I'd like to take a moment to talk to you about the Irreverent Nerds. They're sitting here in my hideout, all tied up. Uh, so they can't say this themselves, but they would like you to know that there are multiple options by which you can connect with them. Their Instagram handle is at irreverent underscore nerds. They're on Facebook and YouTube as simply the irreverent nerds. Ugh, so pedantic. And of course, they are on your podcast app. If you listen on Spotify, scroll down and you will see a question. What did you think of this episode? They welcome your feedback, or so they told me. They also post episode-specific polls and questions from time to time, so please feel free to jump in and give them your two cents while they're still alive. (laughs) All right, nerds, I've talked enough. Let's get back to this week's episode. It might be their last. Was it you basically drawing your own Garfield strips? Was that some of the first experiments well we had an orange cat named milo uh i wanted to name it garfield but my brother named it milo after the milo and otis movie oh yeah and um which was good uh because super milo would not exist today if that had not have happened and um yeah and then it would have been copyright infringement if you did super garfield uh, obviously (laughs) (laughs) so um Super Garfunkel. Yeah. Would have been a straight up parody. As a, f- <laughs> as a first name, I can't think of any other fictional characters or real people who have the first first name Garfield. Uh, I know we had a president, right? I think we had a president. Yeah, his last we name did. was Garfield, Andrew Garfield. Um, but that's all I can think of. Like, literally only. Oh, oh wait. No. Was it Andrew Garfield? I don't know if it's an- I know there's an Andrew Garfield currently who's an actor. But I don't. Anyway. Beside the point. So, um, what are we talking about? <laughs> so, your earliest forays into drawing comics. Right. So, that so was basically doing your own panels of yeah. Garfield. I had a... <coughs> I, I drew actually drew a comic, which I no longer possess, technically, <coughs> in which uh, Garfield basically teaches Milo how to be a... a comic strip cat a uh, comedy uh. cat and basically shakes his hand and hands him over the keys to the kingdom or something uh, in so many words uh, so he was the new normal the new normal <laughs> the new normal oh I heard you the first time <laughs> yeah yeah not <coughs> no Gar- Garfield was unnaturally nice in the my comic <laughs> anyway <laughs> Um, he can be nice occasionally. Occasionally, yeah. 
in particular with like the Thanksgiving and Christmas specials from the eighties, which I'm, I'm yeah. assuming I'm assuming you've seen both of those. I lo- I lo- always loved uh, um, the one where Garfield rescues Odie, or the yeah. one where Garfield come goes home and meets his mom. I don't think I've ever seen that one. Oh really? No, that might be the one I haven't seen. I've seen the Halloween one. I've seen, you know, where he goes to Hawaii. Uh, Garfield in Paradise, right? Yeah. And then, um, yeah, obviously Thanksgiving, Christmas special, and then Garfield's. I think my f- one of my favorites was Garfield's Feline Fantasies, where it's like a, a series of vignettes as he and Odie imagine, you know, basically they're imagining themselves in different movies, like Casablanca right. and stuff like that. Um, that was, I probably, I think I still have that on VHS somewhere, but. I've got it on DVD. Nice, nice. So anyway, so so Garfield, so like, let's get into the nuts and bolts a little bit here. Like, would these be three panel stories typically, or was it more like a Sunday panel with like, you know, I know Sunday panels can vary, you know, but it has usually what, at least six panels in a Sunday comic. Well, actually, I started out drawing model comics that were just full-fledged comic books. Okay. Uh, okay. They weren't strips. They weren't set up with a gag or a punchline. I know I just said earlier that I was doing comics where Garfield teaches Milo Milo how to be a comic strip cat, but I guess that's technically technically, uh, misleading. Anyway. So that was like maybe part of the origin story for Milo in a sense, maybe? Yeah. Sort of? Absolutely scrapped from the official Uh, comics, but yeah, originally. Rough rough drafts, concept art kind of stuff. In my fan comics, yeah. Okay. So in my original Milo comics, which I started drawing in 1994, yeah, there were uh, cameos by Bugs Bunny, Garfield, obviously. Uh, There was one where Milo goes to Jurassic Park, things like that. Nice. Um so eventually in about 96, 97, uh, 98, somewhere in that time frame, I forget, um, definitely by 98, if not earlier, I started doing three-panel comic strips with occasionally six-panel comic strips, and uh, that really taught me how to to set up a, um, a gag, a three-panel gag, um, and I think that's really when my co- comic creation really took off. Um, and now, you know, I was only doing it for m- myself, my friends, and people at school, of course. But eventually, uh, eventually, th- I did reboot Super Milo in 2009 when I was in animation college. Uh, so I, yeah, I which took I've all that with me, all that practice. And I've got some of that art with me uh the two have you published a third volume yet or just the two volumes no i have a zero a number one number two number three and a number four well dang i need to get the others yeah i think i've only got two on hand at least currently Uh, i recommend number four it's a really it's a really big issue about 40 some pages nice yeah i need to get caught up i know i've read some of it online because you have it at super or well is it MiloComic.com, yes? Yeah, MiloComics.com. Thanks to Tom Gray. That's comics, plural. MiloComics. Yeah. MiloComics. Yeah, plural. MiloComics, plural, dot com. Guys, check it out. Nerds, go check it out. Yeah, thanks to Tom Gray, who continues to pay for my domain hosting. 
Oh, nice. Yeah, Domain is Domain's not that bad. It's like, what, $20 a year, that kind of thing? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's not too bad. I really need to start doing Super Milo again. I miss it. Yeah, I think that that's like your sweet spot. Like, your, your humor in there is really yeah. good, and, like, I think your panel arrangement i think has always has always been good like your the um the physical gags and stuff that you come up with like yeah man like it it seems it's always seemed to me like like with the i know as humans like we learn by observation like so obviously you read a lot of comics right growing up so that's where you got a lot of your inspiration but then you yeah you got it and did it like um like me i, I didn't read a ton of comics but you know like my my comic book writing career or comic writing careers began and ended with a little bit of drawing my own <laughs> Garfield three panel um, little skits of my own that I made up basically you know and that's it <laughs> there's been nothing since then but you you carried it on and you you went further with it and you know I've even gone so far as to self-publish so yep yeah I did uh <coughs> I did Super Milo between 2009 and 2014. There were some breaks in that time period, but uh, um, but for the most part, uh, I was working on it those years. I w- it went on a hiatus in 2014 when I fell into t- depression and uh, um, got busy doing hip hop with Dan Johnson. So that was my next uh, comic book, and um, which was about a rabbit, right? Right, not, not about hip hop. Right, a <laughs> rabbit named Hip Hop trying to make it in Hollywood, <laughs> and that bounced around different publishers until it finally landed. Uh, currently, it's at, at Indelible, mm-hmm. but uh, Redline Comic Studios, which makes up Dan Johnson, myself, and uh, uh, Brian Wingrove, and a few other people, I think. Uh, I, d- I don't have a complete member, member list. Um, we're going to release a uh, standalone, uh, self-publish it that way with hip-hop eventually. Okay, okay. How how long has Redline, I know we're kind of jumping back and forth a little bit here, but how, yeah, how, long has, how long has Redline been since like 2015-ish, or is that more recent? It's more recent. Sometime in 2022, I joined Redline. Okay, so very recently, yeah. Um, yeah, Dan Johnson asked me to color some uh, comics in 2022. He might have formed it in 21, I'm not really sure. And I think you, you've helped him with a few... Like, you, you've been, in, I don't know what the right word is, contracted, um, recruited by various, like, comic book producers over the years to, to help with, like, lettering, right? And, like... Um, have you done co- some coloring as well over the years? Like, like uh, what all has been your involvement? I know some, like, you've done straight up all of the art as well. Like, someone wrote the story, and you've, for some, you've done, like, all the art for certain projects, right? Right. I've, I've done various. Uh, uh, for Empire Comics Lab, I did uh, lettering. For Indelible, I've done... Uh, character creation you know the character designs and whatnot penciling inking um that sort of thing and I, I have a memory of 
was it was it like a solicited fan contribution of a sort when like when you contributed to the super fogies or was it a straight oh, up Oh right. Was it a straight up was it Fogelman? Is that the right am I getting the artist name correct? No, no, Brock Heasley. Brock Heasley. Oh Fogelman, is that one of the characters? Fogelman. For some reason Fogelman is coming to my mind uh, in connection to that. I don't know why. I don't know. I think you're getting it from the title Fogies. Probably. But I'm not sure. But uh, Mark Lapierre took over art duties for Brock eventually, so I just want to make mention of his name, too. But, um, yeah, I did a fan comic where Super Milo meets the Space Pig. That's right. That's right. And uh, that ran on um, Drunk Duck at the time and I think the Third World Studios website later. Uh, that that was just a fan comic uh, filler when Brock went on uh, on a hiatus for a little bit. He asked people to send in their fan comics and whatnot. Nice. Yeah, I remember. I remember you showing me that. Uh, I thought it was good. I thought you. Thank you. Thought you did a good job with that. And um, like, now you you had another comic that you never got to the point of self-publishing with it. At least not yet. But I know you. You were researching and kind of dabbling for a while with a a uh, samurai Milo yeah. iteration, like kind of using the Milo moniker, but then um, obviously a, as a samurai, and, and this was what inspired by Stan Sakai's work, yes? And, and Samurai Jack. Samurai Jack. Yeah. Okay. Now, I renamed that project uh, to Bakaneko no Jetageki, ah, okay. but, um, which basically translates to shape-shifting cat historical drama but something like that i don't know japanese but uh yeah i researched japanese culture and the the feudal period and whatnot for about 10 years until i decided one day that uh it was just too much for me to get it accurate uh, to the time period and Someone told me one day after looking at my artwork, he said, this is just a, looks like a Stan Sakai Yusuke Yojimbo fan comic. Hmm. So and like borrowing a little too closely, maybe? Yeah, it, it was. Um, Stan Sakai's art style definitely influenced my work on it. Of course, they said the same thing about Super Milo, or, or more correctly, Milo Comics. That was a different different person said that i not the same person but um i eventually uh jumped to super milo <coughs> excuse me <coughs> yeah i don't know why i've got this phlegm in my throat tonight but uh, yeah after uh after i received that criticism from uh someone about my uh samurai comics that's when I finally jumped to, to back to Milo, and I'm glad I did. Um, and because Milo was a little too close to Garfield, uh, that's why I decided to do Super Milo instead. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's still similar to, to Garfield, but he's got superpowers. Uh, I sent him on wacky adventures instead of keep him in the house all the time. So I was definitely trying to distance uh, the character from and the series from Garfield as much as I could while still staying true to what Milo is. Yeah, and at the end of the day, like, everything's inspired by something else, you know what I mean? Like, there, yeah. there is, like, especially now, I mean, you know, we've got thousands of years of recorded history, and, like, uh, nothing is purely original, you know? It's like, 
we we learn by observing and 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 reading and enjoying the work of other artists and in some cases very directly like being mentored or taught by these artists but like you know to me like i mean if you're if you're a humble artist and you you love the the medium like i, I feel like it would be flattering in a sense that someone was inspired by your work now if they're trying to straight up plagiarize it that's a whole yeah. other issue but but if it's more of like their art style was inspired by your own and like to me it, i would think that'd be pretty cool i don't know how do you feel about that as an artist like would, would that seem pretty awesome to oh. you if, if someday you like inspired someone else to be like absolutely i mean yeah. like you said as long as it's not straight up plagiarism right uh, right um and just to give an example jeff smith's bone mm-hmm. jeff jeff smith i feel like i stuttered or something earlier but did it not stuttered but anyway the bone comic was actually originally inspired by ducktales oh okay interesting uh i would not have guessed that yeah the three bone cousins were based on Huey, Dewey, and louie you know one of the bone cousins is uh greedy and wants money all the time maybe maybe inspired by scrooge Hmm. but um the Jeff Smith originally did fan comics like I did in his youth mm-hmm. using the bone characters he created after the ducktail characters and they would have adventures in in Boneville instead of Duckburg okay okay so he he rebooted that uh as bone and and decided to make him naked as well right <laughs> like no, it's like no bothering with clothes right uh, I've only seen a little bit of it, but I, I don't remember him wearing anything. Yeah, uh, Phone Bone doesn't have any clothes. Phony Bone has a black shirt with a star on it. Oh, okay, never mind. Uh, and then... The Phony Bone. His name. <laughs> Phone Phony Bone, Phony Bone, and... I don't know. There was a third one that was tall and reminds me of Goofy. But, oh man, I, I can't remember his name right now. Smiley Bone, that's it. So, yeah, Smiley Bone is kind of like a hobo, like Goofy. He's got a hat and uh, a vest on, whatnot. So maybe a a little bit of Donald, Mickey, and Goofy influence. Maybe a little bit of Casper's Three Ghost Friends. You know, a little bit. (laughs) They have similar. Maybe not all that. Short, one that's fat, and one that's tall and skinny. (laughs) I actually think that. Jeff Smith created these bone characters before the Casper live action movie came out. Yeah, but those those characters were around before the Casper live action. Oh, they movie. were. Yeah, there okay. was animated animated shorts and stuff. Um, quite a ways back with Casper. I didn't know if um, Fatso Stinch. What's his name? I don't know if their names were the same, Fancy. but I didn't know if they existed prior to the live action film. That's all. I think so. I'm I'm pretty sure that stretch, stretch there were some stretch. there were some old like Casper animated. Because that's how it started. I think was uh, some old. I don't know who. Pro- I don't know if it was Hanna Barbera that produced it or if it was Warner Brothers. Like I, I'm not sure on that. Like the I have to go back. It, it was the same studio or people that did uh, Richie Rich. Richie Rich. Huh. I'm trying to think who that was. Yeah, it starts with an H, but it's not Hanna Barbera. Yeah, I can't remember right now. Okay, okay, cool, cool. 
So, so getting back to, to your work. So over the years, obviously you've produced your own work and, um, you, you've also come out now, this is more of, of, um, you know, kind of in line with your, your faith as a Christian, like, uh, more in line with, uh, evangelism. You have a comic called gospel man. Yes. 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 Um, I started, uh, I mean, I originally created Gospel Man back in 2004 when we were at Bible College together. Oh, wow. It's been uh, long but I didn't didn't actually start making Gospel Man comics until about 2010, and that got sidelined until 2017 when I started making it in full. I created the Patreon. Uh, people tell me it, they really like the comic. Uh, I'm not really sure it has much of a readership, though. I struggle with that, but uh, well, I know you've self-published a few, yeah, and, and given those out for for free, like bit more or less, right? Like as a, or have you sold actually sold some of them too? Like, not uh, any, occasionally, nothing, nothing wrong with either either approach. Like, um, yeah, I give out a black and white version for free. Then there's a color version for sale. Uh, they occasionally. I mean, I all. I run out of the free version constantly, but the That's color cool. version occasionally sells. Uh, I've also got a comic out called Benaya, uh, which I co-wrote with Brandon Wagner. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, that's so that brand is new. That just came out a few months ago, I think. Yeah, I think you were I think you were showing that to me when, it, when you got your first copy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's also a, a religious comic. Um, and that one's like, is it, is it sort of like, like happens in the world of the Bible with a biblical character, or is it more like a straight up representation of a story, out of the Bible, a little bit of both? Well, it's um, it's definitely based on Benaiah from Second Samuel, mm -hmm. and his uh, his mighty deeds. Uh, but it's somewhat fictionalized as well because. You know, I'm taking what little bit we know about in the Bible and expanding upon it. Um, uh, so it's got some action-packed battles. It's got some comedy, uh, things like that. I've provided some uh, additional information, which is not, which is extra biblical. It's not in the Bible. Like, why? Why was Benaiah doing this? we would love to find out who is on the other side of the microphone. There are multiple options by which you can connect with us. Our Instagram handle is at irreverent underscore nerds. We are on Facebook and YouTube as simply the irreverent nerds. Makes sense, right? And of course, we are on your podcast app. If you listen on Spotify, scroll down through the episode description and you will see a question. What did you think of this episode? We welcome your feedback, including your constructive criticism. We also post episode-specific polls and questions from time to time on Spotify, so please feel free to jump in and give us your two cents. All right, nerds, I've talked enough. Let's get back to this week's episode. Why was he there? Stuff like that. Um... So definitely partially fictionalized.
as far as Gospel Man goes, jumping back to that, uh, it was my desire, yes, to evangelize because as a Christian, uh, and you've been there, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, it's a loaded topic, though, isn't it? So uh, I'll just be very brief. Um, you know, I have a belief in hell. I don't want people to go there. It's a terrible, terrible thing, a terrible belief, really. Um, and, and, uh, and you'd rather see people go to heaven instead right. like to, to spend eternity with God and, and free from pain and death and, and right. Yeah. That's which if you care about humans, I mean, why not? Right. You know, of course, right. That would be the one you'd prefer, right? Of the Def- definitely. I mean, anyone who believes this, and I definitely do, uh, it, there's just something wrong if it doesn't change your actions. Uh, but anyway, you, you know, just change how you treat others, and and uh, if you if you knew if you believed for a fact that this was going to happen, then the most loving thing you could do is try to steer people away from it. Uh, if you believe that, absolutely. Um. So anyway, not only is it evangelistic, but I just wanted to. Uh, I used to teach children's church at the church that I I used to be part of uh, a long time ago when we were in Bible college together, and at that church there was this little boy who said to me that Spider Man kills the bad guys, and. Um, children, they look up to superheroes, but I think sometimes they they get the wrong impression that violence is the answer to solving problems. Mm-hmm. So with Gospel Man, I wanted to do several things, evangelism for one, the one thing, but it occurred to me that non-Christian people aren't going to read this. Um, so... I kind of switched gears to uh, having a role model for children that didn't solve his problems through violence, that, you know, tried to encourage kids to to uh, believe that the most heroic thing they can do as a Christian, a child in a Christian family, is to tell people about Jesus. You know, I wanted them to th- see the gospel preacher as cool. You know, not, not that we should hero worship gospel preachers no uh as a matter of fact i've had that uh uh concern uh at least one person was concerned about that that people would hear a worship gospel man instead of jesus i actually printed that fan letter if you can call it a fan letter in the first issue of gospel man so you know it's a it's a very valid concern uh, I'm not certain that's happening, of course, but because I'm not certain how many people actually read the comic. Um, Do you have you have it online? There's a there's a website for that as well. Yeah, yeah. I always try to make sure Gospel Man is always free because uh, I definitely do want people to read it. Uh, you can buy the book, but you can just read it for free online. Uh, it's on ComicFury.com if you search for Gospel Man. As a matter of fact, you can just Google it if you type in Gospel Man Comics or Gospel Man Adventures. Uh, it should pop up. I've got two 
different sites, one with for the comic strip uh, and then one for the actual adventure comic. If if you can call it an, call it an adventure comic because there's way too much talking in it. <laughs> like a Joss Whedon uh, superhero film, right? <laughs> well, Joss Whedon, didn't he do the first Avengers? He did, and he, I, I liked that actually about it, um, but he definitely takes time for conversations. Yeah. And uh. And I like that. I like that it's not like constant action all the time. It's yeah, like, me too. Um, but yeah, it, but no, but sometimes, sometimes the scenes go on quite long, and you're like, it's like, okay, Joss, okay, <laughs> okay, okay. But no, he eventually gets back to the action. I mean, he 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 knows that's a big reason why people, you know, they they want characters that they care about, but then they want to see him in action too. You know. So. Yeah. A- anyway, talking about Gossip Man, I. I know it has a higher purpose, but I actually think my better work is Super Milo, and uh, I kind of got sidetracked from that, and uh, I was in the middle of coloring in 2014 uh, the first trade paperback for Super Milo. It was going to be an all-color issue, uh, and most of most of those early Supermodel comics were already in color, but I was coloring the new pre uh, prologue, the new prologue, which you have a copy of. It's issue number zero, but it's in black and white. Mm-hmm. And I swear one day I'm going to put that out, but I don't know when. <laughs> but yeah, I, I really miss doing Supermodel. I just, I feel like it was a superior work. It was entertaining. It was enjoyable. Uh, I need to get back to it eventually. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Life goals, right? Yeah, life goals. Yeah, like that's kind of like me. Like, I mean, obviously, this this podcast takes a couple hours out of our week, but it, it's as much about you and I just hanging out as as anything else. I enjoy you know? that. Yeah, it's it's one of the reasons we we started it, or I should say, one of the reasons I started having you on uh, was to reconnect, and I think that's been fun for the both of us. But uh, but but yeah, I've got some some other projects too that I. Like I was dabbling a little bit the other day and uh, doing some uh, science fiction writing. Oh, neat! And uh, I've I've done just a little bit. Like I know I did one short story that I recorded for for the podcast in an earlier episode back when we were still doing the sci-fi focus and the Japan jaunt. Each week I had a short story that I wrote and and then uh, recorded with music and no sound effects, but uh, some like atmospheric music and stuff. And but yeah, I, I love. I need to kind of push myself to to put out some more of that and um doesn't necessarily have to be an audio format although i do enjoy doing that um but yeah just the the writing process it's it's so hard to get into it so so speaking of of creative work so let i wanted to talk uh ask you some about your your process like yeah um like from conception and then like like how <clears throat> like your you're writing with like yeah obviously you have the story structure but then you have dialogue as well like is it is it organic do you have outlines you know c- kind of what's your what's your normal process with the let's use super milo as an example it's a little bit of both um with super milo if i'm understanding the word orga- organic correctly it was definitely organic um uh i did what i felt was funny and i did what i felt the pacing should be uh, the with Super Milo. 
I didn't so much write it. I mean, I gave myself an outline of where the story needs to go sometimes. Uh, but sometimes I really just let it go just where it naturally went. Uh, so even I didn't know what was going to happen. And it was a whole lot of fun doing it that way. Um, yeah, it's like you, in a sense, you you surprise yourself. Yeah. A bit, as, as opposed to, like, thinking through... Now, did you ever have situations where you're, like... Because I know for, for writers, this happens sometimes where you, you'll come up with an idea for the ending of a story, and then you got to figure out how, you, how you're going to get there. And then other times, you might come up with the idea for the opening first, or, like, a central theme, or, like, a... Or maybe there's a villain, you know, that you... Uh, I don't know if you have too many stories where you have, like, a... a do you have a recurring... I was trying to remember if you have a recurring villain character in, in the Super Milo. Not yet. Um, uh, I definitely have plans for recurring villains, but for the most part, it's real. Super Milo is really just about... Super Milo as an anti-hero and what trouble he's causing everybody and um, how, how he uh, gets out of trouble. Okay, yeah. So it's it's more about the laughs than it is about um it, it's not your normal superhero story. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily I wouldn't expect it to be like uber dramatic or anything like that, but like yeah, I feel like you could you could still infuse it with with humor even if you have some form of recurring villain because the the recurring villain could also have you know certain humorous traits or uh, tics or you know things like that. Um, but like, I know you've had some, in, you've had a few, few times where he does like save the day, quote unquote, but with him being an anti-hero, it's, it's never like pure altruism in that sense, right? Like at least norm, not, norm, <laughs> not normally with Super Milo, like Super Milo altruism. <laughs> <laughs> what are these words in the sentence? <laughs> Would you say he's say more altruistic than say, and this is a very, Different comparison, but the only anti-hero that's coming to my mind off the top of my head is uh, Riddick. See, Riddick. Riddick is a very reluctant hero slash anti-hero. Well, I, I'm not familiar with Riddick, so I can't speak to that, but I can speak to Deadpool. De- so maybe maybe a little bit more Deadpool and Hellboy kind of kind of a feel. With they both have a sense of humor, a um, little rough around the edges. Um, but obviously this is more like... A, G rated, PG rated, right? Uh, maybe PG, PG thirteen. I mean, uh, in uh, one of the comics you, that you don't have of mine, and I'm sorry, I didn't know you didn't have it. Uh, it I do a parody of Aliens with Sigourney Weaver. Oh yeah, no, I think I have seen it. Yeah, yeah. So like he has is like a chest pressure scene and everything, right? Yeah, it bursts out of his belly button. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, he gets rid of it later in the story by eating eating uh, parody Taco Bell and <laughs> having diarrhea. <laughs> so what a, whatever that should be rated. <laughs> Taco Joe's or something. Yeah. <laughs> I think he called it Taco Gong. Taco Gong. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Gong. I, like, I like that, actually. That's, that's good. Burrito <laughs> Gong. That's it. Burrito Gong. Burrito Gong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a Taco Bell. It's burrito gone. I love that. That's, so that's, um, somebody should start a restaurant. 
hey business business people <laughs> out there <laughs> you should start a restaurant called burrito gong and see if taco bell sues you probably no. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, but it, it doesn't have any of the same words in it. It's, like, it's the spirit of it. Like the spirit. But it's a parody restaurant. You, you come in and eat fake tacos. <laughs> you know, I don't know why I'm sounding like Owen Wilson right now. Hey, wow, wow, wow. Sorry. That's a good job. It, it, well, that's the one thing that's very easy to say, like, of his. <laughs> you know, Got to get his voice right. Yeah, which I, I I love I love him in um, Loki. Oh, me too. Which he needs to have short gray hair all the time because the dude looks great with it. But then he was in this Jennifer Lopez movie. He goes back to his bushy blonde hair, and I'm like, dude, you're getting too old for that mullet, man. Like, <laughs> do that do that close shave and gray look, man. It's it's much better. You hear yeah, me, he Owen Wilson? Good. Yeah, I know he's friends with Zach Galifianakis, who lives uh, well not all the time, but he has a home just up the road. Uh, Wilkesboro, if I'm not mistaken, Mr. Zach. Really? Yeah, yeah. They even did a. They've done a movie in North Carolina. Um, maybe a couple movies in North Carolina, and uh, I know they filmed a few scenes even uh, right here in Winston. Wow! Actually, um, I think the First Street Mart makes an appearance at one point. I haven't seen the movie yet, but I remember hearing about it when they were in town. This is years and years ago, probably. Probably around the time we became friends. Actually, it would have been like 2004, 2005. I had to look that up because that was before Galifianakis was, was even like famous, famous. Like, it's been a while. It's been a minute. Yeah, I think Owen Wilson was was better known at that time, but I think he was friends already with with Zach. It's like Zach was was not as well known. Anyway, beside the point. So getting back to getting back to process. So it so it's a little more organic, kind of like you. You do your first panel, and then, like, do you do you ever arrange the panels for a page before you fill them in, or like, do you have an idea of how the action is going to flow for a given page? Or yeah, I do. So yeah, so maybe page by page, a little more than panel by panel. Yeah, I uh, well, for Super Milo, this is how I do things. Um, I just draw them in my sketchbook. Um. Uh, that's that's the writing process. That's not how I do other comics normally. I actually write whole scripts. But for Super Milo, I just draw it a- as I think of it. So it's very it's both visual and verbal right from the st- well, I don't know if verbal is the right word, but like visual and written right right from the start, like both together. Yeah. Yeah. So I do what feels right, uh, and then I. Uh, draw the final version after I sketch it out in my sketchbook. Uh, there is a script for Super Milo, but a lot of times I go back and I look at my, my sketchbook and then I just type in type it in like that, you know, so that the script doesn't actually come first, but the script helps me to uh, some, some of the script might come first you know, I try yeah, to like a backstory it. section or something, or like prologue, epilogue kind of stuff, right? Maybe, or just the overall story, like the the story idea, maybe. Yeah, you know, like Super, Super Milo goes to Mars. You know, could do that. Makes friends, you know, or something, whatever it might be. Well, uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is that 
the script doesn't always come first with Supermodel. Sometimes the script is me retroactively uh, writing down what I've already drawn. I like that, though. Uh, I wonder how that compares to your average comic book writer's do you have your Stan Sakai, who who does the whole thing? Like, I wonder what his process is like. Have you, have you heard much over the years about how he does it? Because I, I know it's probably different when you have like a a writer, then you have an artist who does the the writer's kind of the writer's vision for the story. But I, I'm sure it's collaborative as well. Like once they get into the actual art and stuff, like I, I would imagine anyway. Uh, yeah, I I'm not sure. Um. I've definitely seen some behind-the-scenes stuff printed in the trade paperbacks, but I can't say that I absolutely know Stan Sakai's workflow. Um, I know he does a lot of uh, research, um, and that he writes writes out uh, a script and he draws all the thumbnails. So his way of doing things might be more standard. I'm not sure. So it would it be a form of like um, is that in a sense what you're doing? I guess it's like a comment. What you're doing with your sketches with Super Milo is like you're doing a combination of uh, a rough draft of a script combined with storyboarding almost. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like, like you're storyboarding it out and then. I imagine sometimes, like when you get down to actually doing the final version, maybe the, some of the panel orientation or size might change a little bit, but like your basic ideas probably stay, stay the same, right? Like, I think so. Uh, yeah, storyboarding is a really good way to put it. Uh, sometimes we also call those thumbnails, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah. Um, Sorry, only YouTube can use the term thumbnail. I'm just kidding. Huh. <laughs> That has kind of become a YouTube thing, but no, um, but yeah, I, I know back in the day it it didn't have anything to do with YouTube. I don't no. think like that term. It's kind of not been co-opted necessarily, but that's that's almost the only context I hear it in nowadays. It's like, but maybe some of that is because I'm I've also been a YouTube creator of a sort, so that's probably why. That's true. I just notice it when you're doing it. You tend to notice it more, I guess. Well, for comics, the thumbnail is just a small rough draft. We sometimes we call it a thumbnail because it's almost as I can't imagine drawing it the actual size of my thumbnail though because that <laughs> that's too much detail in the time. You like space. a point five micron pen or something, <laughs> or or point point two five micron yeah. pen. I don't know if that even exists, but I know point five does. I'm sure it d- it does. Maybe point four millimeters but um yeah it's just a small little rough draft and then i know like on um laying out panels now with because i know you i know you have a writer's a writer's table you know with the angled board and everything and um and i've seen like you have the actual like comic book panel pages where it's got it you know it's in large format and then you you draw it in, you do the inking, right? And then the, then later the coloring, like now a lot of your coloring, you, you do, I don't know what the right word would be, but post-production in a sense, like once you've digitized the, the ink drawing, is that the stage at which you typically do your coloring? Yes. Uh, I do all my coloring digitally. Uh, 
I traditionally pencil in ink, and then I scan in and uh, color. I used to color in Photoshop. Now I color in uh, Clip Studio Paint. Okay. Because it's cheaper. It's a cheaper program. Yeah, I would imagine um, the other is, is still quite expensive. <laughs> Well, I've heard they don't they have a subscription service now. Yes, and I'm cheap, allergic though, to subscription services. <laughs> yeah, because if you forget you have it, then you just keep getting charged for it, and you're like, ah. Yeah. And then like ten years later, you're like, I spent four hundred dollars on that. It's like twenty bucks a month or something, and uh, I might not even get to my computer for that month, you know. Yeah, I, mean, I guess if you're a professional, like doing it all the time, it, it may absolutely makes sense. Yeah. Like, I mean, heck, I, I pay ten dollars a month for Microsoft three six five, so you know it's like, and I, I don't, I don't always use that every month necessarily, um, but it, you know, it's the Microsoft Office, so you you kind of have to, have, more or less, you you kind of have to have it. Right, but you um, just paid a one time thing for it. You're not paying monthly, right? I pay monthly right now, but really? yeah, you, you can pay annually because it because it is straight up. It's like a it's all online now. Microsoft Office. Yeah, like you can download it on your computer, but I think they've gone. I don't think they even sell it as a suite anymore. I think uh, I think it's straight up subscriptional. I just hate that now. though. I do. <laughs> you can pay annual, like you save money if you pay it all at once annually, kind of like with Amazon Prime, that kind of thing, uh, or most subscription services. I just I just find that terrible. Um, I use Libre or something like that as my word processor. I don't even use the Microsoft Word anymore. Uh, well, you also have a really old computer, right? So, <laughs> well, 2016, 2017, oh. something like that. Well, as well as I thought, then 2016, I think. It's it's time I I got a new com- computer. I think though, but it meets my it it meets my art needs. Will it you just doesn't you, like uh, our podcast? Will you finally go iMac? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can you can get a decent one now, like the 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 uh desktop for like um at least the computer unit i mean you do still have to buy like keyboards and stuff but the unit itself you can get for about 500 bucks like really it's, it's, yeah five six hundred it's not too bad actually um now you you don't have to use the apple monitor necessarily obviously their monitors are gorgeous like the yeah they are the resolution is is really nice but yeah the monitor costs more than the computer <laughs> they, I, <think>. I just <laughs> uh, um, i just know that they cost more and Aren't necessary. I don't know if they're compat. I'd have to get all new software and everything. Mm. Uh, I think possibly it, it depends. I know you can run some some um, software on the Mac that's um, made for PC, like it with like a. I don't know if emulator is the right word necessarily, but like a, you can have a Microsoft desktop on your Apple. Um, but hey, maybe you could uh, maybe get you a refurbished one or something. True, true. That that does seem to be the 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 choice for artists uh, for whatever reason. Like like uh, MacBooks and iMacs seem to be more popular amongst artists. Yeah, that's true. Um, I don't know all the reasons for that. I don't know if that's just a culture thing, or if it's like legit, like just better. Uh, obviously, the resolution on their monitors has long been better, with the exception of like just recently, like PCs, like laptops are starting to catch up and have like 4K monitors and such. Um, higher resolution, yeah. But for the longest time, like Apple was ahead of the game on that side. Anyway, we're uh, we're coming up 
Well, we just passed an hour here, so we're about ready to finish up. So do you have any um, any final thoughts, like, say, for your fellow artists out there, any, any words of inspiration or um, or cheers or, like, hey, you know, hire me, I'm up for it. <laughs> 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 you know, whatever you want to plug, pl- you can plug in there in our final few minutes here. This, this podcast, this episode is all about you, man. Buy my stuff. I'm poor. <laughs> so can so they can they buy the the comics uh, on supermilocomic.com? Like, is there a is there a shop or where can they get these? Uh, if you go to indieplanet.com, uh, search for Supermilo or Gospel Man and uh, or my Benaya book, uh, my and Brandon Wagner's Benaya book, and uh, you should be able to find them fairly easy. This is this a digital version, or can you can they order a physical and then you have to ship it to them? Kind Both. Of Both. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Uh, or if you want a signed copy, you can hit me up directly and I can mail you a signed copy. But uh, generally speaking, uh, the IndiePlanet.com store is the way is how I normally sell the books. So, um, but final words, I would say. Uh, I'm currently on sabbatical. I'm taking a break. Uh, my fellow creators, uh, keep just keep if it's in you. If you are a comic artist, if you are a cartoonist, if you are an artist in general, you don't have. Uh, you can't help but create. You know that's who. That's in some ways it's who you are. I mean, we're more than that. You know, if we lose our ability to create, I want you to know that you're more than that. But but don't give up. Uh, if, if you can still create, and that's a passion of yours, don't give up. Take breaks, rest, uh, and just know that if you have to take a break or rest, it's not forever. You know, it's just temporary. Uh, you heal up. And just know that when you are in the creative mood again, it it will hit you. You know, you're not washed up. Uh, I feel like some of my fellow artists need to hear this. I go through this every now and then, uh, where I just needed to just sit sit back and just take a break from all the creating. But it's in me. It's uh, it's a part of who I am, and I don't see. Uh, sometimes I feel like giving up, but. But I believe it's you know it's so ingrained in me and who I am that in one way or another I'm I am going to create you know may, maybe it's comics for other people to read or maybe it's just something for myself you know um, but uh, us creative types you know that's what we do we create good words my friend Wayne well, hey, nerds thanks for joining us this week come back next week we will have an anime themed episode we uh, we haven't nailed down a topic yet but we got some ideas we're kind of batting around but it will be uh about anime which by the way to date our our most popular episode of all time which we we'll probably need to revisit this at some point but our most popular episode of all time is our discussion of my hero academia oh. uh with you and then mr dan johnson as our as our guest and uh yeah, to date that that one's still getting listens. Uh, like even now, like still people still checking it out. And uh, so yeah, you guys definitely spoken on that one. That has been uh, second. Obviously, would be Dragon Ball Z. You know, our very first um, discussion that we had with Zach about Dragon Ball Z. 
those are our top two. So like, and animes, you know, good animes, obviously. Uh, so yeah, we we got some ideas, and we're gonna we're gonna toss around, and we'll we'll have that for you guys next Wednesday, and then of course we will end the month with a, a movie of the month, which surprise surprise will not be Guardians of the Galaxy this month because we are offering that to subscribers only. Yes, like we. We completed our review of that actually this past Saturday, and it's going to be dropping here soon for subscribers only. And uh, yeah, we went to see that opening weekend because you know we like to do that. Like I, I prefer to if I can, if I can help it, I, I, I like to go see opening weekend as much as possible. So we went ahead and recorded that episode. But as I said, that will be subscribers only, so there'll be something else that we'll be talking about uh, coming into the month. Anyway, nerds, thanks for joining us. Until next time, live long and prosper. Sayonara. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Irreverent Nerds Podcast. If you would, consider following us on Instagram. We are there at irreverent underscore nerds. You can also hit us up on Facebook. Just look us up there at the Irreverent Nerds. That's our fan page. We have a YouTube channel as well. Once again, the Irreverent Nerds. Nice and simple, right? And if you go to www.irreverentnerds.com, that will send you to our podcasters for Spotify, formerly Anchor.fm, profile, where you can send us a voice message if you want to, support us financially, or listen to the podcast. It will also direct you to other places you can listen, like Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, you name it. So, like, comment, subscribe follow all those good things wherever you find us wherever you listen to us we would greatly appreciate it until next time nerds live long and prosper avengers assemble i'm batman